0: Welcome to the Braveheart Ministries podcast. In this episode, join Peter Lewis as he shares on the mystery of the gospel to the resident students at Upper Room Dallas. For more information on Braveheart Ministries or Peter's latest book, Back to the Gospel, visit braveheartministries.org. The whole point of this class is that you know Jesus and love him more. That you get connected heart to heart, face to face with Jesus. It's why I'm passionate about what I'm passionate about. So if you, if you see me getting passionate about the law and grace and your identity and righteousness, and you're like, why, why are we getting so intensely in, in, into the, the, the details, into the, the nuts and bolts of the scriptures? It's because on the other side of it's intimacy with the Lord. Because there's so many things that we believe about God, there's so many things that that I believe have crept into cultural Western Christianity that undermine face-to-face intimacy and communion with the Lord. And and I feel like it's easy in Western Christianity to have a relationship with knowledge about God and not truly experience the joy, 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 joy down in your heart. I think joy is one of the most underrated uh, things in the body of Christ. I think too many of us live without it. I think too many of us just kind of think, well, that's just a bonus if something good happens. And I'm here to tell you that God's intent, His purpose, His desire for your life is that you live in a constant, hear me, a constant perpetual state of feeling righteous, of feeling at peace, and having joy bubble up in your heart all the time. It's your inheritance. It's like, it's like par for the Christian course. And if you've heard otherwise, I just want to encourage you, let's, let's look back at what he said. Let's look back at what he promised. And man, let's, let's go for that. Is that cool? I, you know, you'll hear me talk a lot. Um, I, I still believe in praying a prayer. Um, it's no different than when 10 years ago when I married my wife, I stood on, an, on the altar and we read vows and I said, I do. The, the I do wasn't, there wasn't some magic power in the I do, but it was a, it was a touch point that I made covenant with my wife. When you pray the prayer, you're making covenant with, the, with God, with the Godhead. It's a big deal. Like, you're, you're making a confession of your mouth that now I'm entering into covenant, a covenant type of relationship with the Godhead. That's a really, really big deal. That moment in time, that confession of your mouth doesn't save you. Me saying I do is not going to keep my covenant the rest of the day. It's the, what was in my heart when I said I do. It's, I'm saying I do to this woman no matter what, hell or high water, I'm going to be married to you all the days of my life. That's, that's covenant. And, and the beauty about covenant with God is people say, well, you know, I don't know about that analogy. It's a beautiful analogy because God, before he ever knew us, before we ever knew him, he proposed to us like this. This was the Godhead getting on one knee for humanity. And he said, will you marry me? I want you to picture this. It's like before, like, it's, it's like a guy asking a girl to marry him, not knowing whether she would say yes or no. And not just asking, I mean, think of the vulnerability for a guy to get on a knee with a ring, the cost of a ring. And not only did he do that, but he, he exposed himself completely. You realize he hung naked on a cross, he hung naked on that cross, and that's not accidental he, he exposed literally himself from the inside out, he was ripped inside out before sinful man, and it was his act he's saying, "I love you so much, you, you don't even you, you're so blind and you so you 've so fallen from where i've I wanted you to be that this act." I'm believing is going to jolt you back into reality and see what you were always created for. And so I I still believe in in praying the prayer. I still believe in that moment of covenant. But it's the the why behind that action that we have to look at. Because I grew up in the church. I grew up uh, going to church. I grew up hearing that it's about relationship, not about religion. How many of you have heard that moniker? If you grew up in the Bible Belt, you have. Some of you are from, like, the Northeast, which is crazy. Where'd y'all come from? I want to ask y'all that, how y'all got here. It's amazing. I could tell people about Jesus. I could tell them that, it, you know, and I would go on the streets of Dallas and witness to, to homeless people or whoever, and they are like, yeah, I know Jesus Christ died on a cross for my sins. And they would say it so robotically, so, like, wait, what? How-, how can we discuss this? And for it to be, there to be no real, like, genuine gratitude and heart connection. Like, I, you can tell when someone has a heart connection to something. How many of you, I, well, we'll just go to Chandler because he's wearing the jersey. You love the Cowboys, okay? When, so, when you watch the, a Cowboys game with a real Cowboy fan and the Cowboys go into the end zone, there's a different reaction to the Cowboys fan and someone who doesn't really care. True. <laughs> Who doesn't care about the Cowboys? Okay, Ashley. So if Ashley and Chandler are side by side last night when Witten caught his touchdown, Ashley's just going to be sitting there kind of going, you know, on her her phone watching Instagram. Like, she just doesn't care. But my brother over here is going to be dialed in, and the moment he catches that pass against the Giants, he's going to erupt with this sort of like, Yes, praise, yelling, screaming, high five. Why? Because there's affection in his heart towards the cowboys. There's zero affection in her heart. So when we talk about Jesus, it's not, it's like, well, you you can't say, well, I, I know I really do. I really do love him. Well, the response will tell me something. It'll tell me how connected your heart is to him how easy is it for you to abandon yourself to the Lord let's just be honest I'm I am a uh I'm like a head I'm not a massive feeler okay this is stuff I've talked to the Lord about so how many of you kind of like I, I sometimes like you get stuck in your head raise your hand you feel a hard time connecting heart to heart with the Lord Th- this is real raise your hand it's okay look around it's normal okay how many of you it's very easy to connect your heart to the Lord like you just feel like you can cry at the drop of a hat, you're just connected to Him. Raise your hand again, okay? It's awesome. So some of that is the way God makes us. I think there's some strengths to being people that are more kind of head-oriented. Like for me, I have, it's very easy for me to believe the truth over my feelings, for the feelers, it's very hard for you to believe the truth over your feelings because you feel so deeply. My wife is a feeler, so we live this dynamic out. We've been living it for 10 years. It's very interesting. And we complement <laughs> each other nicely, okay? But having said that, me as a, as, a, as a head guy, I realized something was wrong with my heart there was a disconnect with my heart. I'm going, man, I'm a head guy, but I can't let myself go. I, I, I'm having trouble abandoning myself to the Lord. Not anymore, okay? But, but this was where I was at, and, and, and so, and here's why. and Here's what I realized. So I said, God, how, how, how come I can talk about this gospel and have no emotional response? And he said, he said this to me. He said, Peter, knowing what I did for you, will have little power to change your life unless it's coupled with a deep understanding of why I did it. So he died on the cross for my sins. Is that it? Is this the point of the gospel? This is not the point of the gospel? Why is it quiet? Y'all were, just, y'all were just joy, joy, joy. It's not a trick question. Depends on your definition of that. Is this the end of the gospel? Is this the final commensurate summary point of the gospel? Is this, is this it? No. That's not it? No, that's it. Because he does save us. It's the outcome, but not the point. What, who else? So, okay, let me, let me do this. If if my son Isaac which this has happened before if he fell in the pool and when he was a baby and he just went in and I grabbed him out I took him out of the water is is me pulling him out of the water is that is that the good news is that why why you have to ask why there has to be a why the gospel i heard this was it this this equaled heaven plus forgiveness of sins this was the gospel i heard okay If you pray this prayer to the Lord, he'll forgive your sins and you receive heaven. You get to go to heaven one day and you'll get your sins forgiven. Can anyone relate with this? So this is very true. This is wonderfully true. It's beautiful. But this is confusing. This leaves people cold and disconnected from the Lord. Because if this is it... If this is it, if, if all he did, if the only reason he died on the cross was to get me to heaven and to forgive my sins, then there's going to be two things really that I think about. And only one of which can I do something with. I'm going to think about heaven and I'm going to think about sin. The church has been oriented around, are you going to heaven? Now, how are you doing with sin? Right? Are you going to heaven? How are you doing with sin? What do you think is going to happen if the church orients around this question, how are you doing with sin? Because honestly, we, we have preached in the church, people have the assurance of salvation now. We have fought for years for that. The, people, the, 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 the men and women of God, we have contended in the Bible, if you pray the prayer, how many of you are sure you're going to heaven? You're just sure. Really? Do you realize that's not always the case? That wasn't always the case. People questioned their salvation. They questioned whether or not they were going to live eternally. So they, they constantly ask for forgiveness to attain this. Yeah. Right? Okay. So we're going to look at this word salvation and we're going to look at the why. Which, what was the why? Intimacy. Intimacy. Are we all in agreement on this or no? Do we need to see like some hard Bible? (laughs) We used to just do the Bible. Now we got the book, but the book's got Bible. Let's go to Ephesians 1. This is important, okay? This is really important. Ephesians 1. Let's start in verse 7. Someone who has the ESV for my sake, can you read it loud and proud? In him, uh, 7 through 10, sorry. Yep. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. Let's cheer. Come on. <laughs> sometimes you got to practice, you know? Sometimes, like, have you ever seen someone who wants to be a fan? They're like, yay! You know, and, like, they're watching channel, like, I wish I was a real ch- cowboy fan. Like, sometimes you got to stir yourself up and go, you know what? I okay yeah praise God this is like this is like massive here okay Paul's like going on this run on sentence and we're going to unpack it so (laughs) verse seven so he's saying in Christ we have some things what do we have what's the first thing we have Redemption. redemption okay so he gives us redemption he buys us out of sin back into original fellowship that's redemption you realize you can't have redemption? One of my pet peeves, you'll hear me say this, Romans 3.23 that we use as the starting point of the gospel, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's fine. We can use that. Just for the love of my king, tell me what the glory is that I fell from. Don't, don't tell someone who's lost that they fell from the glory and that they've sinned that they, and make it about the sin Tell me about the glory. The point of that verse is the glory that we fell from. Do you see the nuance? We, we've gone to the lost and said, man, you've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You've sinned. We've all sinned. And we've, we've emphasized sin. We've made sure that the lost understand that they've sinned. It's like our leading foot of the gospel. We've got to make sure they know they've sinned. Make sure they know they've sinned. Christians, make sure you know you've sinned to keep you humble, to keep you dependent, man. And that's and, and and you take it further. Make sure you you still embrace the identity as a sinner. That'll keep you humble and dependent upon the Lord. Are you with me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But just tell us what the glory is. What's the glory that we fell from? What is the glory that we fell from? Our original state, perfect communion. Perfect communion. Perfect fellowship, face to face with God, like like true. Like do do you, do you guys understand that God is a is a he's a being? Like he didn't have to create us. We've got to start asking these questions because if you're like me, this this cross became a robotic act. It was something that Jesus had to do. Do you realize he didn't have to do it? There was nothing that obligated Jesus to die on a cross for our sins. He made a choice. He didn't have to. That'll stir a little gratefulness. That'll stir up a little, woe. you didn't have to. So then what was going on in his heart? What did he see when he looked upon mankind? What did he see that compelled him, that motivated him to do this violent, bloody act? This will start triggering something in your heart. It started triggering, I, and here's how I can be sure. I, had the, I, I was the most numb heart towards God. Why I have hope for you, where, wherever you're at, whether you're living in joy and peace, like I, rem, I live in this every day. I have to remind myself, this isn't like a one-off, and once you get it, you're going to get it, brother. No, I live in this. I have to live in it, because, because the devil and my flesh and all of the world and the tide of life tries to get me to forget this. It does not want me to know that God actually has a gigantic smile over my life and he enjoys me. Like, he enjoys me. And I'm learning, it has been uncomfortable letting myself be loved by God and letting myself be pleasurable to God. Like, every single one of you bring him pleasure. And there's specific, unique things about you that make his heart just completely come alive. It makes his heart come alive in your own unique way. Ava, when you laugh, it, it thrills his soul because he made you that way. And, 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 and you're beautiful in that way. And every single one of you and those things that you, that you struggle to say about yourself, God's been screaming over you. He's been dying to get you to understand because if he can bestow his love upon you, he can finally have what, what he paid for. So, so God gives us redemption. He gives us redemption through the blood. Okay, this is important. Okay, we're going to unpack all this, but this is the why. So, so in Christ, we have redemption. We have the forgiveness of sins. Okay? Just earmark this, but... If this was the if this was the fullness of the gospel, you have to ask yourself, did forgiveness of sins exist outside of Jesus? Yes or no? Yes. Right? Kill the animal. Sins were forgiven. So this cannot be this cannot be the, the aha of the gospel. Even when Jesus walked the paralytic, he said, "Son, your sins are forgiven." If that's true, if he could forgive sins, then he wouldn't have had to die. So something else, indifferent, happened when he died. In addition to yes, our sins are forgiven, but it was it was so much more than that. Amen. You can earmark that. We'll look at that later. But again, we're just we're taking inventory now. This is like spiritual accounting. What have we been given? Paul unpacks it here. So we have we have redemption and forgiveness. Now, for me, this was, this was the gospel. This is how people communicated. This was it. This was it. They were like, this is, this is the gospel. And this is true. We were, we were given this. This is what we were given. True. But if I give Jonathan a million dollars today, i said, man, and it just came out of the blue. Jonathan, here you go, man. Here's a million bucks. Would any of you be curious as to why I gave him a million bucks? You'd be like, hey, how do I qualify for that? (laughs) And here's what we have not done in the church. We've not asked, why did he give us this? These are awesome gifts. These are gifts. These are gifts, and we haven't stopped. We've just said, look at the gift, look at the gift, look at the gift, look at the gift, the the redemption. Look at it. But why? Why? You just randomly give a bunch of people this massive gift, the Son of God, the most amazing thing, and not one person has stopped and said, why? Is this not confusing? Why would we not stop and go, well, why did he give us this? Well, Paul tells us why. It's just in here. So he he gave us these things. It was according to something. Now, when it says according, he's going to now tell us He's going to tell us kind of the, the way in which he gave us these things. How many of you know you can give something kind of like stingily, like begrudgingly, or you can give something with a cheerful heart, right? So he's going to now tell us, like, how did he give us these things, okay? Are you guys with me? Is this okay? Okay, just nods and let your light shine. That's a smile. So he gave it according to the riches of his grace. Okay? Sometimes you've got to diagram Paul's sentences. Otherwise, they don't make any sense. So this gift was given according to the riches of his grace. That was, the, that was the, what was behind it. Now here he goes even further to tell you then how these gifts were actually bestowed. Which he lavished upon us. My goodness. So they weren't just like, okay, it would be one thing if I just pulled out a check and handed it to Jonathan and go, here's your million bucks. What would be lavish is if we like rented out the W Hotel and we had, you know, Kanye West there and we had this whole, like he pulled up in this horse-drawn carriage and I'm like, hey, I got a gift to give you, bro. Right? That would be lavish. That would be extravagant. Rent out the AAC, rent out the Cowboy Stadium and present him a giant check the size of the screen of the, of the Cowboy Stadium. That's lavish, right? That's like, that's like extra. That's like extra. So, so this was lavished upon us. It wasn't like stingily, begrudgingly given to us. So redemption and forgiveness was lavished according to the riches of his grace. Now, now in the world we say, if if I did that, let's say that I did that. Let's say you know uh, I did that for Jonathan. I'm just keeping him as an example. We rented out Cowboys Stadium. We did a big concert, and I just said, you know what? You're a good dude. Here's your big giant check. How many of you regardless of how much money I had might think that was like a little bit excessive. Raise your hand. Like foolish. In the in the ways of the world spending money wise, that seems if you're going to give him a check, just give him the little paper check. That would be that would be prudent. That would be wise. Look what the Bible says. That the lavishness of the riches of his grace, he did that in all wisdom and insight. God says, you know, what's, you know what's wise? You know what's insightful? <laughs> I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lavish them. I'm going to give them the very best I have in the most radical fashion. Like that example with Jonathan doesn't even pale in comparison to what we've been given in Christ. Doesn't even pale. So this was according to wisdom. Okay. Now here's the kicker, guys. That's a that's a lot, right? So, God's wisdom and insight thought it was good to lavish us with the riches of grace with these two gifts. In Christ, make sure we get them in there. That's not the point. That's not the point. Keep reading this was according to his purpose. So God actually had a purpose. There was a purpose. There was a gigantic why behind all of this. Now purpose was to make known something to us. Is this not amazing? If you get this, Today, if this hits your heart, this will change everything. This will connect you to the power of the gospel. The cross. Jesus coming and dying on a cross. Grace, lavish wisdom. It's not it. There is a statement in this. There's a revelation in this that was hidden in the heart of God that wasn't known prior to to this. God wanted to say something to humanity. He wanted to unveil a secret in his heart. He wanted to tell us something really, really important to him. You think if God wants to say something important, he does it like this is a secret in his heart? The Bible describes it as a mystery. God has a mystery, he's got a secret. He's like, hey, I have a secret and the world's not known it. You haven't known it. No one's known this. You haven't known this. So I want to tell you something. All of this was to make something known to you. Like this is God's great secret. And we've stopped, and we, we've stopped at the gift. We, we haven't even seen past. We've stumbled over the million dollars, million dollars. Let's make sure everyone gets the million dollars from God. Well then, we, and we've looked at the Bible. How do you get the million dollars? Oh, by faith in this man. By faith in this man, you get this transaction happening called heaven and forgiveness of sins. And we've turned this massive plan in the heart of God, this secret, this burning desire in his heart, and we've turned it into a transaction. We've turned it into this exchange. Hey, if you, say, if you acknowledge these five points and say this prayer, boom, there's a transaction that happens. Now you're good. Now we can tally one for our team, and now you're safe. And all the meantime, we're not making this known. And as, and as ministers of the gospel, which every single one of you are in your own beautiful way, we have to know this for ourselves. We have to, we have to hear what the Spirit's trying to tell us through this and Paul, the Apostle Paul, can we, for the love, have some humility, all of us, and go, man? If he's acknowledging this as a mystery, as something that's been veiled and not understood and hidden, can we possibly just go? You know what? Maybe we should re-examine that. If if, if God's big ta-da, if his climax, if his if his big like show is this thing, and we kind of hear it and we're like <clears throat> crickets. Oh, that's cool. I wonder if there's some life in it. I wonder if there's some like power in it, right? Are you guys with me? So verse nine, he did all of that to make known to us the mystery of his will. Another word for will is desire. The leper came to Jesus and said, if you will, you can make me clean. It's the only time in the Bible a sick person asks God praise to Jesus if it's your will. But if it's your will, you can make me clean. He didn't know the will of God. He knew God had power, but he didn't know God had the will, the desire to heal him. Anyone relate? You know God has power. You acknowledge his power, but you don't know his will. Well, we don't know his will. This was the leper. And Jesus said, I will be clean. He, He disclosed the desire of God in that moment to heal the sick. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. We hope you are encouraged to live as a redeemed, powerful, spotless bride of Jesus Christ as you listened. For more information on our ministry, resources, and scheduled dates, go to BraveHeartMinistries.org or find us on Facebook.